0: Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We are in week number two. Put two fingers in the air and wave like you just don't care. We are in week two of what we have deemed as God's prosperity plan. Shout out to everybody who survived week one and came back because I know I offended everybody. So shout out to y'all who who decided to come back anyway. I really appreciate it. Um, this is an important topic. This is a biblical topic. One of the things that we highlighted on last Sunday was that there are more scriptures in the Bible about how we're supposed to steward our stuff than there are scriptures on faith. There are more scriptures in the Bible on how we're supposed to steward our stuff than there are on prayer. There are more scriptures in the Bible on how we're supposed to manage our stuff than there are scriptures on heaven and hell combined. This is a biblical matter. This is not a worldly matter. This is important to God. That's why he kept talking about it, because he knew he was going to mess it up. And one of the scriptures that we anchored ourselves in for the entirety of this series is Genesis 39 and 3, and it says, His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. God was speaking about a slave named Joseph, and Joseph stewarded what was in his charge so well that even an agnostic named Potiphar had to take note of Joseph's God. And we we highlighted this scripture as an anchor because some of us like to disqualify ourselves from having prosperity because we don't understand biblically what prosperity is. Joseph was in slavery. Joseph was a hard-working young man, employed and found prosperity right in that season. Some of you think prosperity is for celebrities and superstars and and people on social media that's really faking, but you think that that that's prosperity. I'm not that, so therefore I can't prosper. So it was important for you to know That God can prosper you right where you are if you open up yourself to receive it. We know what Joseph became later, but in this moment, he was already prospering in slavery, in bondage, in less than ideal circumstances. And the second scripture we anchored ourselves in was James 1 and 4. And it says, let perseverance finish its work So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The work that you'll be asked to do throughout the duration of this series won't all be comfortable. And that's why the scripture is important because his admonishment, James, the younger brother of Jesus to us, is to persevere. You don't have to persevere for things that you like. The only time perseverance is required is if you're going through something uncomfortable. So it's important that you have these in the back of your mind as we continue to press forward in this conversation. Why do we need to have this conversation about money anyway? One of the major reasons is that the majority of people are not walking in financial freedom. Saved or unsaved. Think about the significance of this. I'll back it up with statistics. 77% of Americans worry about their financial situation. How many of you know that 77% is a big number? That means the majority of people are stressed out, are worried about their financial situation. No matter how... Pressed their jeans are. No matter what the name is on that bag on their shoulder, seventy-seven percent of people you know are worried about their money. The word worry comes from an old English word called Y which means to strangle. Or to choke. That's the origin of the word worry. And that's where a lot of people are. I think it's a very fitting word. Because our money problems get to us so badly that it chokes the life out of us. It chokes the dreams out of us. It chokes the hope out of us. And it limits us and prohibits us from being able to walk in the fullness of everything that God has for us because we're stressed about. Our money. That's not God's will for your life. It's hard to walk in the fullness of God when you're just always in survival mode. You're just trying to make it. You're just trying to survive. And worries are very diverse. We worry about a lot of things, but one of the number one things that we all worry about money. We can't separate finances and worry. When we feel trapped by worry, it's almost like it's holding us as a prisoner. I've been there. I remember just thinking in my mind what it would be like to not have to keep paying all these people. I told y'all, I used to get them first notices then the second notice it being read. And then you get that, don't let me catch you in the streets notice. That's really offensive. It's really offensive. But it messes with you. We aren't free when we're in that state. We aren't free to embrace the life God has called us to because we're limited in our thinking. We're limited in our outlook because we're so worried about our money and we're so full of of fear. Here's another one. 70% of American households live paycheck to paycheck. Again, we're talking about the majority of people. And the reason I, I, I'm sharing these stats is because a lot of you might be worried that it's just you. A lot of you may be walking in shame thinking that nobody gets what you're up against and the money problems that you face. And the numbers show that a lot of people get. A lot of people get it, unfortunately. Paycheck to paycheck living is stressful. You don't have to say amen so nobody judge you. But I used to live paycheck to paycheck and it was stressful. It was painful to know I was getting up work, getting up for work every day, and my paycheck was spent before it hit the deposit. I couldn't stand it. And it was no Here's another one. 57% of American marriages end in divorce with couples citing financial problems as the primary reason for their demise. This is why we have to talk about these things. Because none of these is God's will for your life. Marriage is ending paycheck to paycheck living. You being constantly stressed about your money is not the will of God for your life. It doesn't make you extra biblical to struggle. Don't let them lie to you. So all month, we're we're going to the Bible to find out exactly what God's will is for our lives. What what God's will is for our finances. The statistics are are. Sometimes we can just see them as numbers, but to me, I, I view them as stories. These numbers represent real people with real stories. And worry isn't good for us. Can we all say amen to that? It's not healthy. It is a problem. Stress and worry negatively affect our mental health emotional, and physical health. How can this be the will of God for us to stress our way to a funeral? How can it be the will of God that you're so stressed that you can't eat? How can it be the will of God that you're so stressed that you can't dream? That doesn't sound like the God that I serve. We got to realize the stress and concerns of our financial challenges aren't just numerical but they rob us of our peace. We spent all last month talking about the importance of time and controlling it. And we don't have time to be wasting with days that are void of peace because we haven't decided to align our finances with the Bible. We have to get into alignment remember God's plan for us is to walk in freedom I think we get that part but for some reason we think that he just wants demons out of our lives but we don't think that he has thoughts that we should be free financially as well when we think of deliverance we think about paper towels Jezebel Leviathan. We like these big words, but we don't want to get a budget. Just want to be deep for no reason. We like to focus on spiritual warfare because a lot of that is on heaven. So it's easier to want to learn more about spiritual warfare right because then people will think we're deep alan if i get up here and say buckets and buckets of blood come out all of that is good spiritual warfare is a must but you can't be halfway of what god wants you to be He also wants you to be free financially. He wants you to be delivered from poverty too. It's biblical. I need you to understand that this is biblical. He doesn't want you constantly worried, constantly stressed about financial issues. How can you call out pride, but you can't call out poverty? How can that be the same spirit leading you? They're both evil. You need to rid your life of both. That's why the Bible addresses this important area of our lives over and over and over again. Because it's important. So now we have to make it important. He made it so important that he littered the pages of this Holy Bible with instructions. And so today we're going to be looking at the book of Mark, the sixth chapter, starting at the 30th verse. Mark 630. I'll be reading in the NLT version. This is a very famous passage of scripture that God is about to speak through us to us through. Mark 630, and it reads... The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour. I mean, the Bible is so cool. The Bros was on tour, so before Maverick City, the Apostles was on a ministry tour. I love the Bible. Y'all got to read y'all Bibles, man. They was on tour. It told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd and he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, You feed them. And they replied, With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass so they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. So today I want to talk to you from a message that's titled, Loose Change. Loose Change. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we honor you today. We thank you that you are here and that we get to learn from you. We get to know more about what your word has to say about our finances and our management thereof. Help us to hear with ears that are able to hear. Help us to hear with an open heart that's able to receive. And let your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Aside from the resurrection, this miracle is the only other miracle that's in all four gospels. That's how important and significant a miracle this was. We've all heard this story time and time again, but maybe we didn't realize that he was also speaking to us, among other things, about the management of our personal finances and so we're going to look at this one text and we're going to apply some pressure to it to find out what it is that we're supposed to do with our money and the title, loose change. Y'all know I like words and so it has a couple meanings to it because the Bible in the book of Matthew talks about whatever you bind on earth you'll be able to bind in heaven and whatever you loose on earth it will also be loosed in heaven and some for some of y'all y'all need to loose some change over your financial situation because it's not ideal it's not where you want it but you're not sure how to change it but you have the power thanks to the holy spirit's presence to loose some change over your financial situation second meaning double entendre is this a lot of your financial problems is because things in your money area is too loose. Think about the term loose change. That's just people that are in a bad space. You hear them with their cup and say, can you spare some loose change? Why? Because have you ever wondered, like, how come they ask you for a, a dub? Why is it, hey, you got a 20 you can spare? They, they do. Okay, my bad. They're asking for 20s. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't got all distracted. But typically, they ask you for some loose change, right? Because we look at it as insignificant. Like, I got, I got, got some change. Here. Because we, we don't hold it of any value. Here, yeah, here, here. And part of becoming free financially is to value all that you have. Because when you value all that you have, you become a better manager of all that you have. Sometimes we look for big wins, big changes, big adjustments, and then our financial situation will change. Well, well, God says when you're faithful over a few. That's the prerequisite to be the ruler over much. And so we have to take a look at some areas. Of our lives when it comes to our money, in order for the big changes to occur. And I want to admonish you that there are some areas that you need to tighten up so that your change can stop being so loose. Are you with me so far? The first area that you need to tighten up is your stance. For all my note takers that are really serious about walking into God's prosperity plan, the first area that you need to tighten up is your stance how many um remember the slap heard around the world at the oscars yeah i was not watching it neither one of us were but ty caught wind of it via social media and you know the, the little clips were coming out and and they were showing what happened at first was like man it was that real or was that stage and so ty eventually showed me the clip and the first thing, I know this is on YouTube, but the first thing I said was, oh, he can't fight. I was like, play that again. And then I looked at I was like, oh, man, he don't know how to really fight. Now, what was I looking at when I made that determination? I was looking at how he was standing. His feet were perfectly horizontal. He reached down like this and came up like that. That means you can't fight. And here's why. Listen, listen. my my grandfather was a professional boxer. My dad was an amateur boxer. They taught this. I know what I'm talking about. And I won won a couple matches in the street. But listen. (laughs) You don't Enter into a fight with your, your feet like this because a certain amount of force will knock you on your tail. And if you go down to the ground, especially in a street situation, things get immeasurably worse if you go down. Because now you're a candidate for feet and objects to make your situation worse. His stance was all wrong. So that's how I knew, like, this, he ain't about that life. Because when you, when somebody teaches you how to fight, I've already taught my son these things. You got one foot in front, your plant, then you got you got some security back here. Why? Well, number one, because your power comes from your lower body. I know this, this part ain't even, I'm just giving this to y'all just in case somebody run up on y'all. But your, your power is in your, is in your lower body. So when you swing, you... you You don't just want the power from from your upper body. You want some leg power behind it to give you some force. But most importantly, if somebody catch you, you are able to still recover because you got your leg behind you, helping you to withstand the force of when things hit you. And how many know that life hits you sometimes? And you, you need to tighten up your stance. If you read verse... Number 31, it said, Jesus responded to them, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Why did he say that? Because the disciples were tired. The disciples were tired. And if you keep reading, he said uh, 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 this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So the apostles were tired and the apostles were hungry. And the reason you haven't experienced your financial breakthrough is because you're not tired enough. You ain't hungry enough. You are okay with your struggle because you're so used to it that you don't know anything else. And so you've built up coping mechanisms that make struggle look normal. You ain't tired enough. And you ain't hungry enough. And that's why your stance is all messed up. And you are not in position to fight. You have to get fed up with your financial situation. You should write that down because it was the key for me to make change. I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. I got tired of screening my phone calls. I got tired of working my tail off, and having nothing to show for it at the end of the month. I got tired of not having no savings. I got tired of having no investments. I got tired of my situation. And my tiredness gave birth to a hunger for more. It gave birth to a hunger for better. I got to the position of, I know that this ain't what God has for me. And I also knew that I was the reason that I hadn't experienced the breakthrough that I needed to experience. Because I was tired for a while. I would get to the 27th and be like, three more days, I got to make it. And then the first would come, and then I would ball out again. So by the 7th, come on church. I'm back in the cycle. Because although I was tired, I was not yet fed up. These hard changes that you're going to have to make, you're going to have to be fed up first. You're a little too loose with your stance. You're rolling with the punches, but you ain't making no progress. You're rolling with the punches, but you're not growing. You go to work every day and you have nothing to show for it. Your closet's looking better than your bank account. You have nothing to show for it. And the only way you can get inside of God's prosperity plan is you gotta be fed up with doing things your way. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, neighbor, Oh, neighbor, your way ain't worked yet. So, number one is you need to tighten up your stance. Number two, you need to tighten up your slant. A slant is just a bias. We all show up into adulthood with a slant. Depending on how we were raised around money, that becomes and forms our processes with how we handle money. If we didn't have a lot growing up, like me, my parents were middle class and did well and made sure that I had everything that I needed. But there were some things I wanted. And I ain't get them things. Everybody showed up to school with the new J's. That's Jordan's. They were new. They weren't retro because it was happening in real time. Y'all get on my nerves. (laughs) They were the real-time Jordans, because Jordan was was playing. Never mind. But they were showing up with the new Jordans. I mean, they would literally leave because the mall was not too far from the school, come back, lace them up, like, boy, look at me, player. Boom. And I was showing up to school with pro wings. Y'all don't even know what a pro wing is. You need to thank God for that. Well, a pro wing, the jump man was facing the wrong way. He wasn't quite jumping the same. It was close. But it wasn't quite it. And so for me, because I didn't have all the name brand stuff, as soon as I got some money, I said, I'm getting all the name brand stuff. And it it caused a slant in me that anything I bought had to have a name brand. It might not even been cute, Pop, but it had a logo that made it cute in my mind. Because my slant became, I want all the things. And I messed up and put myself in a very precarious financial situation. And even despite all that, I was still swiping that doggone card, getting more stuff. Because my mindset was messed up. How many know you can have a messed up mindset when it comes to your money? As a matter of fact, you need to know that both poverty and wealth are mindsets. Yeah. Some of you have poverty in your brain. Some of you have struggle in your brain, irregardless of your income. I've counseled people that made less than six figures. I've counseled people that made more than six figures. And I can always spot poverty in the brain, no matter what your income. Did you know that a third of people that make over $225,000 a year live paycheck to paycheck? It's not about your income. It's about what's in your brain. Some of you need to get the poverty out of your brain because it's in the way. And you can't receive prosperity because poverty is sitting right there controlling your thoughts and your actions. Think about this. You said when you got that job that your situation was going to improve. And it didn't. Then you was on the job and said, as soon as I get that raise, oh, it's on. That's going to be my breakthrough. Then you got two raises and you're still broke. Why? It's poverty in your brain. You don't know how to handle it. So even though it keeps coming, it keeps leaving. Because both poverty and wealth are mindsets. And whatever is set in your mind dictates your actions. You have to eradicate the poverty from your brain. This is based on verse 36, Mark 6, 36. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Now that sounds kind. Sounds considerate. But here's the thing. They're rolling with Jesus. (laughs) I don't know if y'all know who Jesus is. But there's nothing that Jesus can't do. They had seen him do miraculous works. Can I go deeper? The disciples just came off tour. So they were doing miraculous works. They just got through healing the sick. They just got through opening up blinded eyes. Yet, they were so spiritually fat that they were no earthly good when it came to this situation. They just came off tour. They just got off tour. They know that the miraculous can take place, but yet their humanity, poverty minds has gotten away to the degree that they said, you know what, we better send them away because I don't know how they're going to eat. So the best thing we can do is to send them on their way. Why? Because they had forgotten who they were. They forgot who he was. And so they depended on their own understanding their own natural thinking, their slant they reverted back to their poverty mindset and say hey you know what? Who are we? The best thing for these people is, is to go on their way. I think it's important if you want to move from a poverty mindset to a wealth mindset that you understand some of the promises of God. The best way to, to change the way you think is to, is to read a little bit more about what God says about you. And here's an example. In Proverbs 10 and 22, it says, The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. We like to use this when we say we're moving in the Lord. I shouldn't feel stressed out about it. That ain't what this are saying. That's cute. It's talking about money. When it said that the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, he ain't talking about his in spirit. I know we like to do that. We like to get deep because if we actually stick with the original text and realize that this is about money, then now we have to work. If we just leave it at the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, then we could just sit back and wait for the Lord to bless us and, 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 and we'll become rich. We like to get spiritual for the wrong reasons. We like to be deep in shallow waters. I'm going to help you right now. That word rich, let's just dispel the rumor. It is the Hebrew word asar, A-S-A-R. Do you know what it means? It means to bring wealth. So when he said rich, he meant rich. In other words, that word is talking about your money. When the Lord blesses you, become rich. Some of you are offended right now. Why are you offended? You know why? There's poverty in your brain. That you can't even receive a biblical truth. This ain't even me talking. I'm just reading. I'm just unpacking. And you're still offended because there's poverty in your brain. And you don't have room for prosperity when there's poverty sitting there. You need to learn what the Bible says about you and your money. This is a promise for those who trust God with their finances, for those who trust God with their money, for those who choose to put him first in their finances. This is a promise to you. Yet you're struggling with it. That's right where the enemy wants you. All I'm doing is showing you what God has said about you. I'll give you another one just for fun. Philippians 4 and 19, and my God, This is the Apostle Paul talking. He had just proclaimed all the wonderful things that the Lord has been doing for him in his life. And so he wanted the people at Philippi to understand something. And as he continued on, he said, and my God, the one that I was just talking to you about, the one that I labor before you to educate you on, my God will meet all your needs. According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God has a concern about your needs. He is not ambivalent to what you're going through and what you need. And Paul wants you to know that if you trust him, all of your needs will be met. If you knew that, if you believed that, if you trusted that, why why are you so stressed about your financial situation? Why are you so stressed stressed about whether or not your needs will be met if the Bible, the word of God, written by the Holy Spirit through the pen of men, is trying to tell you something different? You have to decide. Which one are you going to believe? Is it because everybody that you know is living paycheck to paycheck that that's all you're going to do? Is it because all you saw growing up was struggle, that means that's all that you're going to do? Maybe you can do something different. Maybe you can position yourself for more. If you started opening up the Bible, can I give you one more? These are scriptures that you should go read for yourself to help get that poverty out of your brain. This is... A proverb from the wisest man to ever live. Proverbs 8 and 18. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. These are, these are declarations that you can make over your life. See, here's the problem. I know what it is. Ah, I just figured it out. Y'all think this is new age. Y'all think that I, I, I've gone new agey on you. This ain't new age, this is Old Testament. Y'all falling for people who kidnap scriptures, rebrand it and repackage it and take God out of it, and now we ain't supposed to use it. Because they talking about abundance, we can't talk about abundance, but abundance is in the Bible. Because they use the word prosperity out of context. Now we can't use the word prosperity, but the word prosperity is in the Bible. Why are you afraid of it? oh it's old testament it's new testament it's biblically a promise over your life why are you running from it because there's poverty in your brain with me are riches and honor enduring wealth and prosperity my fruit are better than fine gold what I yield surpasses choice silver I walk in the, righteous, in the way of righteousness along the path of justice, bestowing, come on, somebody, a rich inheritance. Y'all so scared of the word rich? It's in the Bible. A lot. A rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasures full. God, you, you're supposed to be so blessed that everybody around you got hooked up. That's what your Bible say. But you don't even have $1,000 in savings. Ah. Maybe you should start learning about what the Bible has to say about you and your money and start looking in the mirror and quoting the scriptures of God over your life, over your household, and over your finances. That is how you tighten up your slant. Because some of y'all are in your own way because you're letting poverty take up residence in your mindset. It ain't the secret, it's in the Bible. Tighten up your slant. Number three, tighten up your sight. You need to tighten up your sight. Mark 6 and 37. But Jesus replied, same story. You feed them. You. Why, why are you tripping? You feed them. And they immediately hit Jesus with the with what? We ain't got nothing, man. Poverty in their brain. They couldn't see past their current situation. With what? What do you mean? Oh, they talking to Jesus. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. One of the other, uh, it's not the gospel, says that it will take eight months of work for us to be able to give these people just a bite. Of bread. Oh, I'm past my time. Sorry. A bite. <laughs> It'll take us more than half a year just to give these people a bite. With what? Some of you look at your money situation, and I'm speaking these things from the Bible over your life, and you're like, with what? How? At this point, the disciples should have recalled the many miracles they had seen Jesus do. Jesus gave them instruction, y'all. He said, just feed them. That was an invitation to have faith. A better question would have been, I mean, I'm down. Well, what what, do you think we should do, Jesus? No, they went straight to poverty like we ain't got nothing, bro. You see all these people? You better send them on. I ain't giving to that church. I got my own problems. Give with what? It's just the Bible. I'm I'm just talking about the Bible. I want you to see yourself in this scripture. You want me to save with what? You want me to invest with what? Yes, y'all? Y'all will never read the scripture the same again. (laughs) You want me to pay off debt with what? But the problem is your, 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 your thinking has become limited. Your sight has become muzzled. You're not able to see past right now because you're in survival mode. That's not God's will for your life. He wants you to thrive and not survive. But a lot of this starts between the ears. I'll tell me what we have to do. We didn't accidentally get to the place that we are financially. We didn't randomly get to the place that we are financially. We have to crawl through this. We have to put one foot in front of the other, and so do you. So how do we fix our sight? You need to dream again. You need to go on a dream date. For those of you who are married, you need to go and get some tacos. <sighs> For those of you who are single, you need to find you an accountability, somebody who ain't scared of you, who will tell you the truth. And you need to go on a dream date. Here's how that looks. Y'all sitting there with your chorizo, your beef, or your chicken tacos. Getting hungry up here. And here's how the exercise goes. I heard that. Here's how the exercise goes one of you is talking, and one of you is writing. And the question you want to ask and answer, we'll keep it simple. 12 months from now, what do you envision for our finances? And the person that's talking or asks the question is about to write the answer. The person that received the question is about to articulate their answer, and it's a dream. This is an exercise to eradicate the poverty out of your brain and to get your sight Back, you need to start dreaming again. Your financial woes have stolen your dream. And here's what's going to happen. The first person that's going to go is going to dream small. They're going to dream through the lens of their current circumstances. So instead of dreaming big, they're going to dream through the lens of their current bills, their current income level, their current debt. Their current responsibilities and their dreams are going to come out this small because they're not dreaming biblically. And so the other person there, whether that's the other spouse or the other significant other or 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 the or the or the uh, accountability partner, is going to have to push. Like, no, you need to dream as though God can do anything. There's a difference between a poverty mindset dream. And a prosperity mindset dream. So when you sit there and dream. Some of y'all are struggling with this right now. I see. I, I feel you as a matter of fact. Wrestling with this concept. God wants more for you. Let that settle in. I don't know what more looks like for you. This is not me standing here and saying that everybody that's in the kingdom is supposed to be a millionaire and all that. But I know everybody ain't supposed to struggle. I know 70% of, of guys, people ain't supposed to be living paycheck to paycheck. I know 77% of guys, people ain't supposed to be stressed out about their money. I know that much. I don't know what more looks like for you, but I know there's more. You got to dream again. We'll get to the other stuff. I know you want me to talk about investing and, and paying off that blah, blah, blah. You need to dream first. This dream becomes your why. Why are you going to do anything differently? There's an old saying that says, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. And that's your problem. You've been aiming at nothing for the last 30 years. And you've been hitting it every single time. You need to dream again. That's how you tighten up your sight. The next thing you need to tighten up is your spending. Ah, okay. okay. Close them exit doors. <laughs> Verse 38 says, How much bread do you have? This is Jesus. Uh, and then he said, Go and find out. They came back and reported. We have five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Can I help you? In order for God's prosperity to show up in your life, you have to position yourself for the blessing. you have to put yourself in position to prosper. And the first part of positioning yourself when it comes to the numbers and the dollars and the cents is you have to do what Jesus did. He asks a very important question. How much bread do we have? A lot of you want to prosper, but you don't even know your current financial situation you guessing and freestyling. Oh, I got about. I got a little sum. Some, something. You need to know exactly where you are. How can you make a plan to go forward if you don't know where you are? The only reason your GPS on your phone, if you got an iPhone, the only reason it works when you put an address in there is because it knows where you are to tell you how to get to your destination. If your GPS can't pick up the signal where you are, guess what, you can't get a route to your destination. You need to know where you are financially. You need to look back over the last 90 days of your spending. I'm gonna warn you up front, this is gonna feel like deliverance. Everybody always laughs when I say that until they do it. (laughs) And then they come back and say, you were right. Do you know why it's going to hurt? Because you're about to look at you. Men lie. Women lie. The numbers don't lie. And you're going to have to take a hard look at The decisions that you've been making with your money, and you're about to tell on yourself to yourself. And that's okay, because this is imperative. You need to know where you are. Y'all so uncomfortable. I'm trying to tell you what it takes to be inside of God's prosperity plan. You need the coordinates of where you are. So here's how it goes. You look over the last three months and you can do this virtually with something like an Excel spreadsheet where you have three tabs. One tab represents, uh, what month is this? October. So one tab can represent September. One tab can represent August. One tab can represent July. Or you can do this with three pieces of paper. You need to pull up, come on, say pull up your bank statements, you need to pull up, say pull up, your credit card statements. And we about to take a look at what's been going on. So you're going to look and you're going to see the first statement or the first transaction I should say, say September 1st. And it's $50.66 at shell. So you're going to create your first entry, you're gonna create a category that says gasoline. You're gonna put that entry there. Then you're gonna look at the next one and it's gonna say Target, $100.50. And you can call that if you went there grocery shopping, groceries. You're gonna put that down. And you're gonna keep going, transaction after transaction. You might wanna light a candle, put on a little, little, little Dappy T keys. Something to get the atmosphere where it needs to be because it's going to hurt. You can't say I ain't warned you. And you need to write down and categorize every transaction for month number one, month number two, and then do it again for month number three. You're going to have to take some breaks, I'm telling you. Just to get your mind right. But I'm telling you this is important. Those that do this will experience change. You do what you want to do. But those who do this work will experience change. And then you're gonna take an average of every category. So if you spent $500 on gas in month one, $600 on gas in month two, $550 on gas in month three, you add those three numbers and you divide by three. And now you know, on average, I have been spending this much on gas. That's why we're telling you to do three months. Because if you just look back one month, that could be an aberration. It could have just been a bad month. And so that's why it's important to have multiple months of data so that you can take an average. Because that average is going to tell you with a little more precision about who you really are when it comes to this money thing. Are y'all okay? You won't be after this exercise. But I'm telling you that it's necessary. I'm telling you, I'm walking you through what God walked us through. And this is necessary. Next one, last one, because I know y'all are exhausted. So after you tighten up your stance and after you tighten up your slant and after you tighten up your sight and then you tighten up your spending, the last thing that you have to do is you have to tighten up your synergy. You have to start walking financially in alignment with God. You have to synergize your faith and your finances. In the 41st verse. Because remember, you have to position yourself for the blessing. So after, remember, one of the requirements for the blessing to take place was Jesus told them to sit them in groups of 50 and 100. Do y'all know how much effort that took? There was 5,000 men. The Bible says, though, that it was men and their families. So scholars say that it was probably around 20,000 people present. And the disciples, the 12, had to organize 20,000 people into groups of 50 and 100. That's why we're taking you through that 90-day exercise. That's you putting things in groups. Because when you organize the chaos, you open up pathways for prosperity to flow. The problem is y'all bank accounts just look like a big mass of people. And the only way to position yourself for the blessing of God over your money, you got to organize and situate some things first. And only after the disciples, the 12, organized those 20,000 people into groups, then Jesus took the five loaves. This is synergy. So he told them to go find what was available. They went and found the five loaves and the two fish. And they gave it to him. They brought it to Jesus. You have to bring your finances to Jesus. Praying over your finances. And, Lord, let me make it to the first. That's, let's go higher. Lord, give me strategy. Lord, give me discipline. Let's go higher. So after they got things organized, they brought it to Jesus. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Synergy is when you take what you went to work and what you earned, and you present it to Jesus and you look for his wisdom. You look for his guidance. You look for his instruction with your money. And then Jesus blessed it. Now, Here's the thing. Here's where we get off track when it comes to our faith and our finances. We think when it comes to faith and finances that we pray and then we wait. We love to say we are waiting on the Lord. It's so cute. Wait on the Lord. No. That's not what he's about to show you. After, this is what synergy looks like. This is what working hand in hand with God looks like over your finances. They brought it to Jesus. Jesus blessed it. And he handed it back to them. He put it back in their hands. This is Jesus. He could just be like, boom. And everybody would have had a fish sandwich in their hand. That ain't what he did. That's what y'all want him to do. You want him to snap your fingers. You want him to snap his fingers and your student loans is gone. That's what you want. See, he stopped playing. He got so distracted. <laughs> That's what y'all want. remember, God's prosperity plan, we're going to stick with the Bible. And the Bible says that then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples. So they could distribute it to the people. This on you. You bring it to God, he blesses it, and he gives it back to you to steward He brings it back to you to manage. That's synergy. That's working in tandem with heaven concerning your finance. When was the last time that you offered all of your finance? I ain't talking about your tithe or your offering. That's why that was only step one. When was the last time you talked to God about all 100%? When was the last time you offered it to him? Asked him to bless it and asked him for strategy concerning all 100%. Maybe you should start that now. Because when you get heaven's involvement it lessens the load on you. Because all you gotta do is follow the instructions that are given. And what happens is Five loaves and two fish. Can, let me. Because I like the Bible a lot. And y'all need to know something. I think in our mind when we hear. Five loaves and two, two fish. We think about. Like a loaf of bread. That ain't what was it, it was. It was essentially. The size of a dinner roll. A little biscuit. Five of them. And two little fish. One of the other gospel writers said, little fish. So it wasn't no big tuna. A biscuit, five of them, and a couple of sardines. Come on. And 20,000 miles to feed. My question to you is, what do you see? Did you just see two little fish and five loaves of bread? If you just look at that, you miss the opportunity of what it can be when it's placed in the hands of Jesus. It was still two little fish and five loaves of bread when they handed it to Jesus. And it said that he just kept breaking from that. It didn't say, it didn't say more biscuits showed up. It didn't say more fish showed up. It said he kept breaking the same biscuits and passing them out. The same fish and passing them out. You're so busy calling your stuff small because you ain't synergized with heaven. It only looks small because you're doing it in your own strength. There's something wrong with your trust. Can you do yourself a favor and stop minimizing the way that God has already blessed you financially? Stop calling what he already gave you small. Instead, just go and find it and then bring it to him. Go and find it and bring it to him. And then when he hands it back keep following his instruction he's gonna take them same five dinner rolls and them same two fish that you used to call small and start blessing people all around including you because the bible says come on we're gonna keep it biblical it said that when he kept giving it to them they all ate as much as they wanted did you hear that wanted he went past needs. So if they wanted some more, they got some more. He says, he gave them all that they wanted. Don't you miss that word? And even after, they got all they wanted, because the fish was seasoned just right. Come on. It was fried hard. Come on. A little hot sauce. Huh? it was so good some people wanted seconds some people wanted thirds because some of them boys were growing and you know growing boys gotta eat they ate all that they wanted 43 says this and afterward because it ain't just about those around you being blessed it says and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. You know what that tells me? That even after everybody had their plate, Jesus was still blessing. Everybody was sitting down and chewing, feeling good. It was silent because you know when we start eating, we stop talking. And he was still breaking off bread, he was still breaking off fish. He didn't stop. Because afterward, The disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. That's what happens when we synergize financially with heaven. Our little becomes a lot. Our smaller becomes bigger. we go from poverty to prosperity because prosperity means there is an overflow an abundant amount of prosperity is moving past just needs being met prosperity is having more over and above that's God's plan but you got to look at the heart of the story. God's plan to give us more above and over is so that whole communities could be blessed. He don't make you rich so you can be rich. He makes you rich so that you can enrich others. Oh, let me, let me, let me make it churchy. He blesses you to be a blessing. That's God's prosperity plan. It's not for selfish ambition, selfish accumulation, it's always generational and it's always communal. He always tells you to bless the generations that are coming after you and he always, to tell, he always tells you to bless the people that are around you. And you can't do it broke. That's the reality of the situation. We, the mobilized church, are the hope of the world. So when there is a need, we're supposed to be the solution. We're supposed to meet the needs. We're supposed to be the first person, the first entity that communities think about when there's a need, when there's a problem, they should think the church and we should be in position to be a blessing as long as Talon and Ty McNeely are leading this church we will position ourselves to be a blessing period that's why God's prosperity plan has to be in, come important to you because it's not just about you gotta do all this hard work to position yourself for a blessing that's not just going to bless you, it will, but it won't just bless you, it'll bless all the people around you. That should be your heart as we go through this. It shouldn't be so you can be more famous, so you sh- it should be so that you can make him more famous. So here at All Nations of the World, we believe in praying. But we also believe that nobody should have to pray alone. So remember, the instructions from the Bible say that we have to believe in our heart. That's number one. But number two is we have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And so at this moment, I'm going to ask those who raise your hand to repeat after me out loud. But don't worry, because the rest of us love you enough to pray this prayer with you out loud. So please repeat After me, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I believe that you are the only begotten Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth, lived a perfect life, and surrendered your life on the cross for me. And I believe that on the third day, You were resurrected out of that grave for me. And because of this fact, I give my life to you. Come into my life. Take control of my life. Be the Lord over my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we go crazy? Because they just made the most important decision that they will ever, 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 ever make. We salute you. We salute you. We congratulate you. And we're cheering for you. Heaven is cheering for you. Continue to seek him. Continue to surrender to him. Continue to ask for his input and his guidance. And he will answer. I want to encourage you before we pray our way out. To do the work, Bible says, don't just be hearers of the word only, but be doers. I know it's going to be tough. I know, but I'm telling you, as someone who is on the other side of that work, that the work is worth it. Your legacy is on the line. Do the work. Every eye closed, I'm going to pray us out. Heavenly Father, we honor you today. We're grateful to know that you not only know the number of hairs on our head, but that you have a plan for our personal finances. And we know that your plan is bigger than just us, but we know that it involves us. And we know that it also is for us. So as we endeavor to do the work that your word declares that we should do, help us. When it gets hard, help us. When we need to be more consistent, help us. In these areas that we need to tighten up, help us. Because we want you to say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. So, Father, we surrender to you in this area because we want what you want for our lives. And it's in the mighty, powerful, massless name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.